celebrate and we worship together because he is risen. You can have a seat. Well, it is good to be with you on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday. For centuries, people have said, He has risen indeed. After I say this, He has risen. He is risen indeed. There you go. And we celebrate that today. You know, there, it's hard to be amazed these days at really kind of anything. It's hard for us to be amazed. We, we have the world at our fingertips, it feels like. We can find out the question to any answer just by looking at our phones. And we can create these uh, movies about, it feels like anything our minds can imagine, we can see take place on a screen. And I think because of that, it's hard for us to be amazed. And so when we find something like I did recently that truly amazes us, kind of to the point of obsession and a little bit of fear, I think it stands out so much. And so I want you to see a glimpse of this thing that I recently saw that just blew my mind in this kind of way. Check it out. Does it feel different to be up there without a rope? It's obviously like much higher consequence. People who know a little bit about climbing, they're like, oh, he's totally safe. And then people who really know exactly what he's doing are freaked out. I've thought about El Cap like for years, and every year I'm like, that's really scary. I'll never be content unless I at least put in the effort. El Cap is the most impressive wall on earth. It's 3,200 feet of sheer granite. It's the center of the rock climbing universe. Obviously, I get interview questions about it all the time. Oh, would you like to do that? And you're like, yes, for sure. It's really hard for me to grasp why he wants this. But if he doesn't do this stuff, he'd regret it. Everybody who has made free soloing a big part of their life is dead now. me out even just watching it now and I've seen it many times at this point but it is this incredible feat this this documentary called Free Solo where this guy climbs El Capitan with no rope and I remember watching uh, this documentary and I knew what happened I actually saw the Oscars where he's on stage at the Oscars if he's on stage he must have made it but like, I remember watching this thing and I was freaking out. My palms are sweating. I'm kind of laying on my couch and like contorting my body and freaking out. My feet are sweating. My kids are just like looking at me like I'm a crazy person. And this, this thing just, just captivated me because of how real it is, right? Like this is life and death. There is no faking it. Like this is it. And so like because of that, I think that's why it amazed me so much. And, you know, they've, they've talked about this. They say that it never happened before. And with this, it'll most likely never happen again that someone will do this. But that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. And what we are going to celebrate today, what we've been celebrating, what we're going to read into today, is something that never happened before and will never happen again. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the thing to be amazed by. So I'd love for you, let's, let's look into it. Grab your Bibles if you have one. There's a Bible on the back of that seat in front of you. 
I've got this whole passage for you in uh, the outline in your bulletins, the little handout you received as you walked in. It's on page 42 of the New Testament in those Bibles on the back of the seat there. Uh, as we look into this passage, we remember that we've been going through as a church this book of Mark, this biography of Jesus. We've been in this for about 15 months and we are now in the very last passage of the entire thing. It's incredible. We've seen Jesus' life. We've seen him die on the cross. He was executed. And then he was buried. And now we find ourselves here. Mark 16, verse 1. We'll take <clears throat> a couple stops along the way as we read. It says this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. So we pause there for a moment that what you have here are three women approaching this tomb of Jesus. Now, just even to stop and think about this for a second is that in the, the first century, the credibility and reliability of the testimony of women was thought of as basically nothing, like worthless. And so if you were to couple things about this. If you were to make something up that was a fake story, the story of the, of the resurrection, it is the most important part of what will then become Christianity, okay? If you were to just be making that up, you wouldn't send people whose testimony was considered not credible and not reliable to be those first witnesses. What I want you to hear is that in God's eyes, women are reliable, credible, and valuable, and that this story is very much true. And these women came, and they came with these spices, not to embalm him or something like that. They came, actually, just to cover the stench of decay is what they were coming to do. Because the way they would do things in this time, with when a body would, when a person would die, they put the body in a tomb and just let it decay till it was just bones only. And then they would take those bones and put them into a box called an ossuary or a bone box, and that's what the family would have for those who have died in the family. So that's <clears throat> why they're coming. Now, verse 2 says, very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. All right, so let's stop here also for a second. This, this word amazed, what is going on with these women, this amazement that they feel, uh, is a word in the Greek. Okay, the Bible, the New Testament was primarily written in this ancient Greek. And there's this word called ekthumbeo. And ekthumbeo is just a little richer than one word definition we can give it in English. It means to be awestruck, to be overwhelmed with wonder, to be astonished, and to be alarmed. So it's this amazement, but with a little bit of fear involved in it. All right? Now, <clears throat> you might wonder, why are they astonished with a little fear by seeing a young man in white? Well, let me explain this to you a little bit more. Because what we have in the Bible, too, with these stories of Jesus, the biographies of Jesus, we're in the one written by Mark. There's four of them. We call them the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, each one has just a little bit different kind of 
detail that they choose to focus on. Now, Matthew's gospel, he focuses in on this moment in a little different way that I think is very helpful. It says this. It says, And an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. So I feel like Mark kind of undersells this guy a little bit, you know, a young man in white versus his appearance was like lightning. Oh, and by the way, it's an angel. Okay, so there's a reason these women are alarmed, astonished, awestruck, in awe of all of this. We, we find this pretty often when people encounter an angel, you actually go all the way back to the Christmas story in Luke 2, and you find the, the shepherds that are watching their flocks by night, and you have the moment where these angels appear to them, and they're afraid. And the angel says, do not be afraid. We bring you good news of great joy. And this moment here that we're reading right now is the culmination of all of that great joy. All of the good news is about to happen right here in this passage. And so this angel says, <clears throat> says to them, as they're amazed, in verse 6, it says, And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him as he shows them the empty tomb. Verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The end. That's the end of Mark. Now, you might even be looking in a printed Bible or on your device or something. You say, well, there's actually some more words that keep going. Well, there are some verses 9 through 20 as it continues. But most likely, you'll see in your Bibles, that's in brackets. And there's a little note that says that that was not found in the earliest manuscripts. And so we don't believe that actually is part of the inspired text of Scripture. We'll actually talk about that in detail this week on our podcast where we talk about all of that, why we don't include that, and why that means you actually can trust the reliability of the scriptures even more than you might have thought. Okay, so you can find out more about that, but that's what's going on there. That's the story. And we're going to focus in today on this verse 6, Mark 16, 6, where they, these women are amazed and the angel says to them, do not be amazed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who's been crucified. He is risen. He's not here. And so in a sermon titled, Be Amazed, the first point is, do not be amazed. Now, if that's odd, I apologize. But <clears throat> there are some things that we are amazed by, like the whole free solo movie thing, or some crazy things that happen to us in our life. Like a week ago, for me... I was out training. I'm doing an Olympic-length triathlon next Saturday, and I'm doing it at lovely Lake Paris. So I was out at—I decided to go out to Lake Paris last week to go train out there, swim in the nasty water, go ride around the area, and kind of uh, get used to the location so that when you show up for the race, you're not all anxious and not wondering what the race 
will be like. And so I get out there in the morning, and there's nobody around. There's a couple boats way out there, maybe fishermen on the, the edges, but nobody's on this entire beach area. There's zero cars other than mine in the parking lot. No one's around. And I put this, my wetsuit on, swim cap, goggles. I'm going into the water to swim. And the water's cold. There's nobody around. And I just start swimming. And as I'm swimming, the wind just really starts picking up. The wind's picking up strong. It's starting to get kind of choppy. As I'm swimming with the wind, it's fine. If I'm going against it, I'm struggling. I'm kind of flailing all over the place. I'm swallowing water that there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm not sure what it is in that water, but I'm taking it in. And, and I'm kind of like struggling. And, and I, I go, I flip over to my back to take a rest for a second. And I look up and I see this huge bird of prey circling above me. And... <laughs> Now, my family, there's some like members of my extended family who are kind of like bird nerds that really love birds of prey especially. And so I feel like I know a little bit about birds of prey. I can tell it's not a hawk. It's bigger than that. It feels a little different than an osprey. It's def I feel like it's an eagle. It's not a bald eagle. I think this is a golden eagle above me. I've read that there even are some sightings of them in this area now. And... Get out, man. There's an eagle above me. And when you're by yourself in the water, all you can picture is kind of like Lord of the Rings eagles that are going to pick you up and carry you away. And I'm like watching all this. I'm thinking, okay, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I just, I'm going to keep swimming. Keep swimming. Go, go hard. Swim in control and not flail to look like I'm dying. And <laughs> it's not a vulture, at least. And then so I, I look up again because your mind starts messing with you. And I look up again, and it is way lower. And it is tight spiraling right above me and descending down upon me as I'm out in the water at this point, And I'm freaking out, you know? And so what I decide to do is, is I decide to, like, try and make my presence known because it's coming lower. Like, I'm a human. Like, ah! I start yelling at it. Ah! And screaming at this bird as it's lowering. And as I scream at it and shake my fist, it doesn't even flinch at all. It's just descending lower, lower, lower. And it's like, ah, it's not recognizing me. And so I don't know if you've been in the water by yourself, you know, just with an eagle descending on you, but it was scary. And so I'm usually filled when I see eagles or these large birds. I'm like filled with a sense of awe and wonder and astonishment. But now it's a little more like alarmed and filled with fear. And so I just swam for the beach. I was not even halfway done with my swim, and I bailed. And I just was out, okay? And thankfully, it did not get me because I was trying to figure out what do I do if I just see it, you know, coming down on me? How will I fight this thing off? But that was my moment of amaze. Like, I am amazed in the way that has fear and astonishment all wrapped up into one. And I'm happy that there'll be probably hundreds of other people with me next Saturday. And the eagles won't get all of us. But, um, but that's like, those are things. We're amazed by it. Now, there's also things of our faith that we are amazed by. I've been hearing recently in these last couple of years hundreds of stories Hundreds of stories of people who have, are living in Muslim countries. They're Muslims living in countries that are closed off that people can't get into with the gospel. And they're having dreams of Jesus appearing to them and telling them about himself. And they're coming to faith just by Jesus appearing to them in dreams. 
There's even this guy that was in Iran and he ended up emigrating to the UK and he had this dream of a man in white that stood before him with his hand up and he said, stand up and follow me. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the way to heaven. No one comes to the Father but through me. And he doesn't know totally what it means, but he then ends up talking to this guy in the UK and he explains to him what he had dreamt and what this person had said. And the guy was a believer and he said, have you ever read the Bible? He said, no, I've never even seen a Bible. He's like, those are words from Jesus in the Bible. And he shows them where it says it. And he just says, what must I do to follow him? That's incredible, right? These amazing stories. Amazing stories of people who are healed of disease by God. Even my own personal life story. I was born about 20 years after my brother and sister, after my parents were told they could no longer have children. And then when I was born, I was diagnosed with leukemia, cancer of the blood as a little baby, and I was in the hospital. And my parents did what it says to do in James 5 in the scriptures, and they asked the elders of the church to come and to anoint me with oil and to lay their hands on me and pray over me for healing. And they did. And in the next round of, of testing, there was no sign of cancer whatsoever in my body, that God had miraculously healed me of that. And I had to go, I remember every year I had to go and get this blood work done because they couldn't believe that this is possible or that it would stay away, that it was really gone, but there was never any return of that. And I am amazed by that. And that, you know what, I'm also kind of alarmed by it. It's, it's awesome and yet troubling. Like, why, why do some people get healed and some people don't? And how does this work? It is an uh, astonishing sort of thing. The Bible is full of stories that are amazing and wild and crazy seeming stories of a sea parting and people, hundreds of thousands, millions of people walking through on dry land, of people being thrown into this fiery furnace to be executed, and yet they're not even touched, they don't even smell like smoke and are fine, and many other stories like that in the scriptures that are amazing. And there's also the stories of life change that we hear today of how people are impacted by Jesus and how their entire lives are transformed and are healed of disease and addiction. One of those that I want to share with you now is of a woman named Diana that's part of our church. And in her early life, uh, it, was, it was hard, it was rough, there was addiction, there was homelessness, and even a, living in a crack house as we kind of catch up with her story here. Well, it's, it's been quite an adventure, to be honest with you. Drugs and alcohol were a normal part of my life. There was always people at the house. They would be smoking pot. They would be doing meth. Probably at around the age of 12, um, we were selling joints at school. By the time I was 14 years old, I was drinking almost every day. I was using cocaine, uh, mushrooms, LSD ketamine and um, and going out and partying all night long sometimes being gone for days at a time when I was around 17 years old my mom um, had a nervous breakdown we lost our house and our entire family ended up living on the streets I knew there had to be a better way of living because um, I would see all the people around me and uh, often the churches would come to the motels and they would bring food and I always saw um, 
the joy in them. They always seemed so happy, and I would always wonder, why can't I have that? You know, why, why am I not able to live that type of lifestyle? I would think sometimes, too, that um, I just wasn't good enough. But uh, during all of these struggles in my life, my son was going into a junior high uh, uh, ministry, and uh, he had asked me, Mom, do you want to come? They have a group for you. And I thought, no, that's not for me. No, no thanks. My fear of, of not being accepted was, was why I never wanted to come. But the pain of my addiction just became stronger than that fear. And that's when I decided that I just wanted to come and just see what church might have for someone like me. So I went and I, um, when I went into the room, I was very uncomfortable. It was a singles group. And, um, but everyone tried to make me comfortable, and I sat on this big round table with a bunch of other gals. And one of the gals asked if she could pray over me. And when she prayed over me, I felt something most amazing. Uh, I felt some peace just come through me. And um, I never felt anything like that before. It seemed that my, my need to get high and drink just gone. I, I didn't want that anymore. And surprisingly enough, I didn't need that anymore. And that's where I began to find the Lord. And I felt him, his Holy Spirit living in me, giving me that peace. Even though I was such a broken person, I thought, never, he's not me, you know. Uh, and, and that's how it started. Jesus is my strength. I would not be here if it weren't for Jesus. said when she prayed over me I felt something most amazing this peace that came over me and whether you are in a situation like Diana was in that's kind of dramatic and extreme or whether you are a person that would look like they've got everything together on the outside but inside you know that something is missing you know there must be more to life than this God meets us in these amazing ways where he changes our life. And what is odd of how I want to respond to that is kind of like what the angel said. I still would say, do not be amazed. Here's why. Be amazed by Jesus. Be amazed by Jesus. The message of the angel said, hey, look, I get it, I'm an angel, right? Like, I'm like lightning, you know? But, hey, don't be amazed by me. All this stuff is incredible. And it's even worthy of praising God for. But the number one thing to be amazed by is Jesus Christ. We've been looking into his story here for a long time, right? And we've seen his miraculous birth. We've seen him heal people of their disease. We've seen him have authority and power over the supernatural realm as he casts out demons out of people. 
We've seen him have authority and power over the forces of nature as there's a storm on the sea and there's waves crashing and wind and rain and with a word he brings it completely still. We see him feed thousands and thousands of people with a little boy's box lunch and then he does it twice. You know, we have seen him actually bring people who were dead back to life again. We've seen him forgive others. We, we even see, I put this on the back of your outline, but just 11 verses that say Jesus is amazing. And some of it's just from his teaching that people respond and they were amazed at his teaching. There's a theme about amazement in the Gospels because Jesus is amazing. And, but the number one most amazing thing about Jesus is what we have come here for today. It's the fact that, as the angel said, he has risen. That Jesus is alive. Jesus was dead. His body was in the tomb. They were going to put spices on him to cover the stench of decay. But then he breathes in new life into himself and then breathes that new life then into us. Jesus is alive. The resurrection is the most incredible, amazing thing in human history because of how real it is. Because of how life and death it is. That Jesus came back from death into life and that we celebrate that now today it is a thing that never happened before will never happen again but that does not mean it didn't happen it did jesus is alive and then also what the angel says to these women about why do not be amazed by me he says because you're looking for jesus what you are looking for is Jesus. He's not here, so just get out of here. This doesn't matter. This empty tomb is not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is the man Jesus who is now alive. And I think that that's why we are all here. You might not even know it. But the reason that you are here is because you are looking for Jesus. And because Jesus is the, the thing that we all have in common of why our lives are different is because of this moment and the resurrection. I'd love for you to see this, uh, another little video of some people who have Jesus in common, and that is why their lives have now changed, because they are now new creations in Jesus. You unravel me with a melody You surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies Till all my fears have come
All of that is only possible because of Jesus, because of this, the resurrection. When we look for Jesus, that's when we find what we really need, where our hope is. We are resurrected then from death and hell into the life and presence of God himself. We are resurrected from a life lacking in purpose to the deepest meaning that we will ever know. We are resurrected from fear, from anger, from greed, from hopelessness into the joy, the peace, and the hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. And we are resurrected from being alone in this universe into being adopted into God's forever family and in welcomed into a community that will hold you up and love you and care for you as we walk through this journey of this life. Because it's not easy. No one ever will say, if they say to you that it's easy, that's a lie. We will struggle, we will suffer, it will be hard. But we will have each other and we will have the hope of Jesus Christ within us. Because you see, we are all sinners. All of us, every man, woman, boy and girl in this room, is a person who has gone against the laws of God, the commands of God found in the scriptures. That's called sin. And that sin separates us from God. It says the wages of sin is death here in Romans 6. That what we have earned by our sin is death and the consequences of separation from God. But, it says, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That we have been given life because of what Jesus has given us freely. That this is a free gift. Now, I don't know about you, but when I give a gift to someone, I first go to a store and pay for the gift, and then I give it to the person, and it's free to them. And that's what's going on here, is that this gift that is offered to us was not free for Jesus. There was a great cost. It was not cheap either. He went upon the cross and suffered and died to pay the price that we were supposed to pay. 
And then now he is able to give us salvation and forgiveness as a free gift. It says in Ephesians 2, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Grace is a, a mercy that we don't deserve, but we are given it anyway by God. It says that not of yourselves. So no matter how good of a person you are or how bad of a person you think you are, that's not what matters. It's a gift. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so nobody can boast. All of this is because of what Christ has done. And then the way we respond to that is in this, Romans 10, 9. It's very simple. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you believe in your heart that this thing we're talking about today, the resurrection, that Jesus was raised back to life again, you believe that to be true, that Jesus is God, and he is the only one that you can trust for that grace, for that forgiveness, for that salvation, then you are saved. That's how we respond to him. We talked about that this is the day that changed everything. Can this be the day that everything changes for you? We have a chance to respond to this today. In your bulletins that you received as you walked in, there was this card. I'd encourage all of you to pull out this card. Every single person, if you got one, grab that. It says, my response this Easter and this has some ways for all of us to be able to respond. In a moment, we're going to receive the offering. And as we do, I would ask for all of you, and if you're a guest here today, to let this card be the gift that you would drop into the offering today. And there's a couple ways that we can respond. The first says this, For the first time, I choose to place my trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. And if that's you today, maybe God has been tugging at your heart. You've had a sense of, I, I need to respond to him today. I'd encourage you to check that box and to write your name and a contact that, drop that in so that we can walk with you. Because like I said, we are adopted into God's family, into a community that wants to walk alongside you in this. This is not meant to be done alone. This is for all of us together. The second says, in the past, I have known about God and even attended church, but drifted away from following Jesus with my whole heart. I choose to renew my relationship with him today. And so maybe you've been gone for a while and you've showed up today here on Easter Sunday. And this is a way for you to respond to say, I'm back. I'm all, I'm all in. Again, I, I need help with this, Lord. I want to continue to live my life for you, though, fully. And I ask first for all of us, if you want to put a prayer request on the back of this and drop it in as the offering comes around in a moment. But I want to challenge you with something before we're about to, to drop these in today. That this is a moment that you are here for a very specific reason. I don't believe anyone is in this room, especially if you don't normally come to church here. You are not in this room for no reason. I believe that God has you here for a reason today. And this is a moment for you to respond to him. And so I would encourage all of you to not waste this moment. 
This is one of those special moments in your life right now. And I believe the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you right now and calling you to respond to him. So don't let this just go by. He's speaking to you today. Let this be the moment that everything changes for you. I'm going to pray for each of you now and encourage you as the offering comes around to drop those in to respond to him in whatever way he is calling you to today. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we, we come before you humbly in this moment and we think about this as a moment that we are called to respond to you. Lord, we believe that you died on that cross, that you were buried, but that you rose back to life in power and victory over sin and over death. We thank you that you have won that, that you have paid for that, and you offer it to us now as a free gift. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be working in each person in this room today to respond to you in whatever way you are calling them, God. I pray that this moment would not pass without us surrendering ourselves to you fully. And so here then in this moment, we thank you. We thank you for the victory that you won through the resurrection. And we give to you now, God, in love and in gratitude.